Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman, and I'm a five board accredited life coach, and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week, we are talking about ghosting, but before we get into ghosting fully, I just wanted to address something that I've been asked quite a few times about the voice notes and whether it would be possible to include written emails as well and the short answer is no but let me get to the long answer and actually explain why because it's actually a really interesting part of life coaching which I don't think many people talk about or understand. So I want this podcast to simulate life coaching as much as possible. That's really important to me. And within life coaching, one of the first principles you are taught is that a life coach should never be working harder than the client to fix their own problems. You see, in life coaching, you have an equal partnership, whereas in a therapist or traditional psychology relationship, it's usually one up, one down, where one is the expert and one is the student or the person who is learning. In life coaching, because it's more equal, the energy exchange also has to be equal. And I believe, and it's also why I'm a life coach, that this type of relationship is more effective when it comes to change. So therefore, in order for the relationship to be equal, there's a concept that is spoken a lot within life coaching called investment. In most life coaching sessions, this naturally happens simply by way of money and financial investment. And by paying for your own session, you are actively investing in your own change and your dedication to growth. But there are many cases within life coaching where the client is not paying for themselves and therefore they are not the one financially investing. So, for example, if you had a client who is a child, they would clearly not be the one paying for the session. And because it's not their money, it's not their investment. And so what happens when a parent, for example, is paying for a child is you get the child to invest in a different way. The way I use is an information form and I get all my clients to do this anyway regardless of whether they're paying for the session or not but my form is extra long. It takes between two to four hours to fill out and if they send the form back with really short answers then I send it back asking them to invest more. 
I get all my clients to do this anyway, regardless of whether they're paying or not. But this form takes two to four hours. And if they send it back with really short answers that clearly took anything less than 30 minutes, then I send the form back and ask them to put more detail into the form. And putting more detail is actually helpful for me. This isn't a form for form's sake. This isn't a form that is just for the purposes or pedanticness of investment. This is actually a form that is really helpful to me. And when you answer with two words or a sentence, it's really not telling me much and this form when filled out correctly can actually be extremely useful to me so it's also a two-pronged approach and by making someone fill in that form and create time in their schedule they are more invested in their change because it forces them to create time in their schedule and put the effort in before the sessions even begin again i want to emphasize this is not a pedantic form for the sake of it this is part of you growing and changing and doing the work and the results I've had with people prove for itself. And because I would like that change to occur for all my listeners, but most importantly, the person who sends in the voice note themselves, I want to simulate that process. It takes effort to send a voice note. I fully admit that. It also requires vulnerability, but we don't grow or change without putting some effort in. And therefore, the people who send in a voice note are more likely to experience that growth. And I know that for a fact because we are 12 episodes in and I do three voice notes an episode. So that's 36 voice notes. And I've had feedback from those 36 people who have sent in a voice note and got a reply that it does create more change. So that's why I'm going to be sticking to the way I do things. Um, I might have just explained a secret life coaching thing that I guess most life coaches don't explain. But I've always practiced with a lot of transparency. It's the way I like to do things and it's the way I'm always going to continue doing things. So if you've ever wondered why no written messages, then that's why. And if it's a privacy thing you're concerned about, then get a friend you trust to record your question for you and send it in. That part doesn't matter because, again, it's about investment and you finding the time to find a friend is part of the process. You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. But that's the way I work. That's how I work. And I work that way because it gets results. But now let's get on to ghosting. But before getting into this voice note, I couldn't help but think about whether ghosting existed prior to social media and smartphones. Because I guess if you went on a date and then you just never heard them again, it could be that they're not interested, or it could just be that you weren't home when they called on the house phone. Or if we go even further back, if they sent you a letter and you didn't receive it, it could be that it was lost in the post, or that they never sent you a letter. Or maybe they just lost your phone number when you wrote it on a piece of paper instead of putting it in their contact book. I kept thinking about all these things, but anyway, who knows? Let's start with the definition of ghosting. It is simply when someone disappears without explanation. They vanish like a ghost. And whilst this term definitely originated in terms of dating, it is now more widely used and you can definitely ghost someone as a friend or in a different situation. I was actually on a work call earlier and I was meant to be doing a job tomorrow and I had not heard the details about it, so I was asking about it. And the person I work with replied with, oh, I don't know, they ghosted me. So it's even a term that's used in work conversations now. The invention of the term ghosting was probably created amongst all the other dating terms that there are and I was looking them up and it just like really intrigued me so I thought I'd share them with you. Ghosting is definitely the most well known but there's also breadcrumbing which is when the crush has no intention of taking things further but they like the attention so they flirt here and there, send DMs and texts just to keep the person interested knowing damn well that they're staying single. By the way, I'm getting these definitions from Urban Dictionary and I'm simply sharing them because I found them highly amusing. 
There is peacocking, like a male peacock uses his feathers to attract a mate. Peacocking involves using a man's clothing and adapting his behaviour in an over-the-top and flashy manner for the purpose of attracting women. And for this term, we can thank the pickup artist industry because they apparently are the ones who created the term peacocking. And then there's Gatsbying. Gatsbying is in reference to Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby. And to Gatsby means to post a video, picture or selfie to public social media platforms purely for a love interest to see it. And then there's benching. You know that person who keeps liking your Instagram photos but won't actually send you a text? Well, they are benching you. And that means it's when you like someone enough to keep seeing them but not enough that you want to lock it down with them. So you keep them as an option while you continue to date around And that term comes from sports, from when a coach benches you. And if you dig far enough, uh, I've actually written an article on benching, but I'm not going to tell you where it is because I'm going to hope you don't find it. But yes, that is a term that I once wrote an article about. Anyway, I'll stop filling your mind with unnecessary information that only intrigued and interests me. But regardless of these new terms, these behaviours are not new. And no matter what you call it, these behaviours have been in existence for a long time. And there are consequences to ghosting. So let's talk about that from the rejection to the confusion to the inability to get closure. Let's get into the first question. I've been part of the same group of friends since secondary school and recently one of them has started ghosting the rest of us. We don't really know why or what's happened. She's never been good at answering her phone, but is there any way that we can tell her gently that it's kind of sad the way she's just dropped everyone? And is it all right that I feel annoyed that she's not keeping in contact and I don't know how she's doing and what's going on in her life? Thank you so much for your question. So the short answer is yes, you are allowed to feel annoyed. You are also allowed to feel hurt, rejected, sad or even lonely. You are allowed to feel however you want to feel right now. And all the feelings you are having are not only right, but real, valid and important. The longer answer is how you deal with this situation has to be separate to how you feel. They are two different things, so they need to be processed separately. How I would deal with the situation is I would send a text simply saying, hey, I've not heard from you in a while and was thinking of you. When's a good time to call? Miss you. You can change the wording and say I was worried about you or hope you're okay. But the main thing to emphasise is that you care about them and that you're there for them. And I think that sometimes a simple I miss you has a lot of power. And that's because it's vulnerable. It's not accusatory. It's not starting a fight or saying, why have you disappeared? It's simply going, hey, I miss my friend. If you send this text, though, you need to send it with no expectation. The I miss you is not a ploy to get them to reply. See it like sending a gift. It could be a final gift to a friend who will never return, or it could be a gift that makes them get back in touch, but send it without expectation of what's going to happen next. Of course, if they wanted to cut you out, there should have been communication in that. And I will never condone anyone ghosting anyone because I just think if you've ever had respect for that person or the relationship you once had, the other party, in this case you, deserve a conversation and not necessarily even an explanation, but just a conversation where it helps the other party get closure. But in this case, you might have to get closure without any understanding. Now, this is going to be really sad, but you need to create a certain time limit. And on that day, 
start to process it as the ending of a friendship and as closure. Whether you give her a week or a month to reach out, you do need a cutoff date to allow yourself to move on. You know how you said you think it's sad that she just disappeared? You're allowed to think it's sad, but it's not always a sad thing for someone. Sometimes it's a liberating thing to cut everyone out and start again, and sometimes it's an isolating thing where people cut themselves off from everyone they know. There is no way to find out which one is your friend, but the one thing you need to stop doing is telling yourself stories about why they did it. Because the truth is you don't know. Your brain could be telling you that something bad has happened, but the likelihood is that's just the story you're telling yourself to explain it. Because if something bad did happen, it would make you feel better about the ending of this friendship. The likelihood is it's probably not any of that, and it's probably nothing more dramatic than the fact that she changed and wanted different friends and didn't know how to have a conversation about it, so ran away from it. But if something bad did happen, that text you send where you just go, hey, I miss you, will mean that they can reach out and they know you're there for them. And it's a nice text to receive whether you want that friendship or not. So I hope that helps, and thank you so much for your question. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This week, in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking Emily and Paris. Every week, I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV, and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. Emily and Paris is one of those shows where I heard about the controversy before I actually heard about the show. And basically, the controversy is simply that it's a bad show. It's really inaccurate and poorly written and blah, 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 blah. I didn't really buy any of it because I watch a lot of bad shows and sometimes a bad show is what you need to properly escape. So no judgment on my end for watching a bad show and I think if you can accept that shittiness and you decide to live in the reality that is created in front of you, then you can enjoy it. I watched it and I enjoyed it. And yes, it's not a 10 out of 10 enjoyment, but it's a solid 7 out of 10. But to their point, I really struggled to find a scene that we could talk about when it came to that show. 
obviously now when I watch anything I'm always trying to find what scene I can put into this segment and I watched all 10 episodes in one day might I add and could not for the life of me figure out a single scene that had enough substance so I went on Instagram and asked all of you and the one that kept coming up was the conversation she had with her boyfriend when she moves to Paris. Also, as I'm talking right now, I'm just remembering this tweet I read yesterday that that actually the title of the show is meant to rhyme. So it's actually meant to be Emily in Paris. And that's why it's meant to be smarter, I guess. I did not catch that until I saw it as a tweet. But anyway, uh, I'm going to be calling it Emily in Paris. So for those of you who haven't watched it, the show is about a woman called Emily who moves to Paris and Emily is in a relationship with this guy and how she tells her boyfriend she is moving to Paris is the most bizarre way possible. Originally, it was her boss that was meant to be going to Paris, but then her boss gets pregnant and can't go. So that's why Emily has to take her place. But Emily tells her boyfriend by leading with the news about her boss. They have a longer conversation about the fact that her boss is pregnant than they do about the actual move. And they do all of this in the middle of a bar. There is no conversation about his feelings. There's no conversation about their relationship or making an active decision to either be long distance or end the relationship. She even says, this is exciting for us. Uh, no, this is exciting for you. And you need to let your partner have their feelings about it. And you need to also allow them to have contradicting feelings. So how this conversation would go if it was functional is you would find a time and place together alone and not in a club to have a proper conversation. You would start the conversation with, is now a good time to have a conversation? And then you would start with either one of two options, depending on how serious you are. One option is, I had this offer and I know I want to go. And the option two is, I had this offer, what do we think? The decision between option one and option two is simply to decide whether it's going to be an individual decision or a joint choice, which would simply be down to how serious the relationship is and how long you've been together. If we were living together, for example, or married, it's definitely a, I can't decide this alone because we come together. You then allow them to have their feelings and their thoughts, and you don't take it personally if not everything they say is excitement for you. I've seen this so many times with friends and my friend will go, he should be happy for me because it's a good opportunity for me. Telling someone how they should feel is a waste of time. Deal with how they actually feel. And while of course you see it that way, the way I see it is of course they would be sad that your job would mean more distance and space from you. And to be honest, I would feel sad if I said I was moving across the world and all my boyfriend felt was joy. As so many of you said when I asked which scene I should discuss, where was the communication? Where was the back and forth? Where was the consideration for your partner? She presents this conversation with a spreadsheet of when they can travel back and forth, taking into account holiday days. But again, it's all very assumptive. And then when he doesn't want to travel, he's made out to be the bad guy. But it's a bit insulting that she assumes he'd want to use his holiday days to fly to Paris the entire time when it was her decision to move. It could even be a conversation of, if you were going to take the job in Paris, you need to be the one flying back and forth because I don't want to be spending my holiday days on that. Different relationships will have different things that work, but in real life, communication is necessary and this scene was a good example of that. On to the next question. Hi Michelle, I have a question for you relating to your self-worth and dating. So a couple of years ago, I came out of a very long-term relationship 
and I've spent the last few years working on my self-worth and my boundaries. Um, so I've dipped in and out of dating, but every time I get rejected or ghosted, there's a deep sense of hurt and sadness. Um, and I always try to remind myself of everything that I've worked on with my self-worth um, and knowing that that's a problem that's with the other person and not necessarily myself, but the problem I'm having is with the feelings of rejection and how that affects my self-worth. I, I begin to feel like I'm not good enough and even though the logical part of my brain is telling me otherwise, the feelings are still there. Um, I'd really like to enjoy dating, uh, but this roller coaster of emotions is get, really getting in the way of that. So I'd love to know if you have any advice on these feelings of rejection and self-worth when dating and inevitably being ghosted. So thank you, Holly. Thank you so much for your question. I love that you are so aware of your personal growth and that you're focusing on your self-esteem. The reason why what you're doing isn't working though is because reminding yourself that it's not about you is a very cerebral thought. It's in your brain. It's logical, it's rational, and it's not going to address a problem that is essentially coming from your heart, your emotions. Unfortunately, logic and rationale does not help emotions when you are feeling something and your emotions won't respond to that because rejection is a feeling. Unfortunately, you can't combat an emotion with thoughts. You need to feel it and the likelihood is it's brought up an old wound from your past that you've not healed around rejection, which is why rejection tends to be a large issue with you around dating. So you need to go back into the past to the earliest memory you have of feeling rejected. It could be a parent, a sibling, a teacher, a grandparent, and that's where you need to start the healing. You need to let yourself feel it and let it hurt. Sit still with that feeling and have a conversation with the you at that age when it was going on. What do they want to say? What were the words they want to speak but no one was listening? Have a conversation with them and listen to them in a way that they weren't listened to at that age. Unfortunately, until you feel that pain, you are going to continually feel it within your dating life. So yes, it's going to hurt to process all of that and it's going to suck. But if you have the patience to sit there and feel it and heal that wound, then it can stop affecting your future. The problem is if you have an unhealed rejection wound when you're dating, you will likely not feel good enough, as you said, because you've made the other person more special than they are. And likely you've made that person so special before you've even been able to get to know them. Because in the early stages of dating, where there are so many gaps in your knowledge about a person, that means your brain can fill in those gaps with stories that make them more magic than they are. And whilst it's great to see the magic in someone and the good in someone that exists, the good that you're seeing is just created by your imagination. And what you've created is being used to make you feel bad about yourself and making you feel inferior to the person you're dating. And that's why you don't feel good enough. Not because of how they actually are, but how amazing you've made them out to be. And if they were that amazing, you wouldn't have to fill in the gaps. In a practical way, the best way I've found to move on is to take as much learning as I can from every ending of a relationship, romantic or platonic, by writing a few lists. So the ones I do personally are I write a list of every red flag I've missed, I write a list of every lesson I learned in that relationship, and I write a list of things I'm going to do differently next time. Each of these lists are an hour-long activity. It's not a short list. I spend a lot of time on this. And the more time I spend on it, the more I'm able to heal and move on. 
These exercises reduce the feelings of rejection because it becomes a lesson and therefore it turns the person into part of your journey of discovery rather than focusing on them as a destination. If you're listening to this, I actually highly recommend doing this with any person who's not in your life, whether that's friendships or romantic relationships and any breakup you've gone through essentially, because sitting down and going through all of those lessons really helped me notice them. Another practical thing you can do is make sure you're not attaching too early and allowing your attachment to a new person in your life to happen gradually and only as they earn your trust and respect. Whilst getting to know a person, focus on figuring out if they match your criteria. Because even if I'm not the person who ended it, what I tend to find is that in hindsight, I actually subconsciously knew they weren't right for me anyway. They just felt it before I did or they noticed it before I did. And when I focus on my criteria, I lose respect for them the moment that they ghost because ghosting is an indication of poor communication. And communication is my highest value in a relationship. And therefore, no matter how much we were a match, you no longer become interesting to me. And in all honesty, they actually become unattractive to me. It's actually one of my biggest turnoffs. If someone ghosts me, I think it's so cowardly and they lose my interest instantly. Because once we focus on what we want, we can change our mindset to that. So I hope that helps and you've got this, you can do this. Today's three quick tips are on healing rejection. Number one, process it like a breakup. It doesn't matter if you're official, it doesn't matter if you're casual, it doesn't matter if it was a new friend and it doesn't matter if it was one date. If it hurts, it hurts. It's an ending no matter how long the relationship or friendship was. And just because it was short or casual or not serious, doesn't undermine how you feel whatever you are feeling is valid and sometimes what you feel doesn't make sense sometimes the shorter unofficial relationships have hurt more than the real official boyfriend breakups and sometimes the short friendships hurt more than that decade-long person who i was best friends with it doesn't need to make sense except it's a breakup and validate how you feel Number two, it might bring up old feelings of rejection. As I mentioned previously, a breakup, an ending or a ghosting will bring up both rejection and abandonment. And those are two very common wounds in humans walking around today. And most, if not all, originate from childhood. So if the rejection seems larger than you would expect, ask yourself what the feeling is reminding you of. Ask yourself what moment in your life made you feel the same and that's where you need to go to start healing first. The ghosting is just giving you the opportunity to heal the previous wound and your life will continue to bring up new rejection until you are able to heal that wound. Number three, delete their contact details. I know I preach to this all the time, but that's because it's true. Deleting any way of contacting them is also a way of cutting down access to you. Here's the thing, ghosting is a sign of a lack of respect. They didn't even care about you enough to communicate that and give you the decency of a conversation. And therefore, either that's cruel or it's cowardly. And either way, that person does not deserve the right to have access to you. We don't want to be making decisions out of the weakest part of us that wants love and affection, but instead the strongest part of us that knows what we deserve. So delete that number and create space for better treatment in your life. Hey Michelle, I used to talk to this guy and he ghosted me. I still have the text messages on my phone because I want to keep them as proof that I'm not crazy, that he did say those things to me and the things he was saying inferred that he actually liked me. I know that you recommend 
deleting text messages when someone ghosts you? How can I delete the text messages but also validate that he was making it seem like he liked me? Sincerely, Kay. Hi Kay, so first of all, you are right. I'm going to say delete the messages and that's because deleting messages is not just a literal thing but it's a symbolic thing as well. It signifies something and it means so much more than simply deleting. It's about letting go of the person, letting go of the replaying of the conversations, letting go of what could have been, letting go of wishing that if you had done one thing differently the result would have been different. All of that are stories you're telling yourself and it's not true. It's not the reality and it's not what happened. So let's stop holding on to something that no longer exists. Also, by deleting the messages, you draw a line under it and you tell yourself that it's over. Over, over, like not contacting them again, over. And some of the time, that is you protecting yourself from the worst version of yourself. If you think I give this advice because I've never had a drunken evening where I've wanted to text every guy on my contact list, you are wrong. I know what I'm like when I've had a few too many drinks and I protect myself from that. I also protect myself from the saddest version of myself. When I'm sad, I also go through my phone and read messages. And if I read them long enough, then I message them. But the most adult part of me and the most evolved part of me deletes that number for my future self. And it's hard to do. So how I do it is I do it impulsively. Hover over that message long enough and you'll never delete it. Take too long to say goodbye to those messages and they will never be deleted. So how I do it is I do it quickly. And I will tell you from one human to another, 90% of the time I go delete that message and I literally straight away go, fuck, why did I just do that? But 90% of me knows that it's for the better. And as much as I hate it, I'm grateful for it. If you want better, you need to start acting like someone who wants better. I want to return to the fact, though, that you said that these messages are proof that you aren't crazy. You don't need these messages as proof. Why would you ever doubt what had happened actually existed? I will tell you why. Because some part of you doesn't believe that someone could actually like you. Some part of you doesn't believe that someone could actually be interested in you. So when you have these doubts, you return to these messages to reinforce that it was real. But you know what? It was real. Rather than going to these old messages to validate that, you need to get better at validating yourself. And I have no doubt this is a pattern across your entire life. So it's really important you start to address this. I believe he sent messages that made you believe he liked you. The question is, why don't you believe it? That is what you need to work on. And whilst you keep the messages, you are distracting yourself and not working on the real problem at hand. Despite this, it doesn't actually matter that they liked you because they don't like you anymore. And that's the important part. And I know that sounds really painful, but you need to hear it. Hypothetically, they could still like you, but their behavior doesn't demonstrate that. And that's the important part you have to remember. And I know hearing that will hurt, but why does it hurt so much? Because you're using the fact that he used to like you as proof that someone was interested in you, that someone could like you, and that you're a lovable human. But that's not good proof. You need to know that for yourself and find that proof from inside you, not from external messages. Do you see why I emphasize the deleting of messages? Do you see why the messages thing is so connected here? It's connected to a larger problem. And this might sound brutal, but I'm going to poke a massive hole in your thought that those lovely messages means he likes you. It doesn't mean that. It just means he knew the right thing to say to get your attention. 
Again, this is not going to be a nice thing to hear, but it's the most compassionate thing I could tell you because you need to stop telling yourself these stories. Sometimes you will meet people who just talk to others and date others because they are bored or horny. That is a fact. The good news is it says nothing about you that you attracted them, but it is your job to get rid of them. A person with good self-esteem gets rid of them faster, but they attract the same amount of nonsense. It's just the fact that they don't tolerate it. Keeping these messages and reliving these old texts is tolerating it. And I know this sucks, but now is when you have to take action. You need to do more to be helping yourself. Right now, you're currently torturing yourself and breaking your own heart over and over again every time you read those messages. Yes, this hurts and you're allowed to be upset, but what you are not allowed to do is sit in it and create more hurt. And that's exactly what you're doing every time you read that text. You make yourself feel more awful about it. The way you start getting self-esteem is by doing what a person with self-esteem does. And a person with self-esteem doesn't sit there reading all messages. They delete their numbers and move on because they believe they deserve better. You might not have that belief right now, but if you change your behavior to align with a person who has self-esteem, your beliefs will follow. So I'm sending you a massive wake-up call, and before this episode is over, I want those messages deleted. You've got the power to do this, I believe in you, so now go hit delete. You can hit pause and we'll wait for you. Every week I end the episode talking about something I am working on myself in my own personal development and this one is less so what I'm working on and more so what I'm thinking about. So because I'm a total psychology geek I form these little theories in my head and I don't tend to share them until I'm 100% sure that it's actually correct. So once I had this theory how someone orders in a restaurant can tell you everything a person from what they pick on the menu to how they eat their food to how they react if they spill food on their clothes. It's a great theory that I might describe one day. The theory checks out and it's genuinely genius or I think it's one of my secret private genius theories. Anyway, so I've been in like three months of grief and crying and processing. And my theory is that the whole journey of life is not actually to learn things, but to actually unlearn everything that you learn until you return to the state and the person you were when you entered the world. The reason why I started thinking about this is because someone the other day called me youthful and I've never been called that in my life. I'm always told the opposite. I'm always told I'm older than my age and wise for my years, but never youthful. And I'm starting to think that because I was crying so much for the last few months and grieving and feeling things, I actually purged a lot of the baggage I was carrying around in me from my inner child and all the pain I went through in hospital. And by removing all of that, I think the fun inner child in me started to show through. I think she called me youthful because she saw me messing around and being silly on a paddleboard. And as I said in the previous episode, I think that youthful is connected to the joy I'm starting to feel again. But anyway, this little theory made me so happy and this idea that how we're all born as children and children are perfect and then we all learn all this crap and then one day we realise it's not true. And so if we do the work of unlearning, you return to that child who laughs easily or doesn't overthink or who lives moment by moment and gets excited by small things and laughs in a really unfiltered way. I have such a um, naturally weird laugh and I've always like let it just exist And every time I laugh, people comment on it. But that distinctive laugh is the inner child in me. And I've always let it out. And I don't really care whether people stare or not. But now I'm finding that that distinctive laugh is coming out more and more. And it's a beautiful thing. So I just wanted to share that with you. 
Thank you so much for all the questions. This podcast couldn't happen without your voice notes. So I seriously appreciate anyone who sent a question my way. If you want more episodes, I need more voice notes. And if you want to be part of a future episode and get your question answered, then email me a voice note asking your question at inallhonesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below if you didn't quite catch that. And in the meantime, go pre-order my new book, The Joy of Being Selfish. It's all about boundaries. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you will actually enjoy my new book because there are conversations about ghosting in it and how to communicate rather than ghost. Also, I'm manifesting a bestseller and pre-orders really help with that. So if you want to help me with my goal, then go hit pre-order. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram at scarnotscared. On Twitter and TikTok at the same username, you can get my first book, Am I Ugly? Or watch my TED Talk, Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today? I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Next week, we'll be talking about loneliness. And I think that is something we are all feeling in 2020 at the moment. So tune in next Wednesday for the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.